1: Is a major free agency spending splurge the right path for the New York Giants in the 2024 off season? Ed Valentine of Big Blue View here with your newest edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio network. All right, the question that I opened uh, with is uh, whether or not a free agency splurge this offseason. Is the right idea for Giants general manager Joe Shane uh, as he tries to to build the Giants and, and overcome last season's six and 11, uh, six and eleven finish? Uh, the question stems from a piece that was done by Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated recently. Connor, in his bold predictions, suggested that uh, that the Giants could go all out this offseason could use some salary cap maneuvering to to create a ton of salary cap space and more or less try to spend their way into contention or back into contention in an NFC East where there are questions entering the season about what will happen with the Philadelphia Eagles and, and always questions, of course, about, about what's going on with the perennially underachieving Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, Connor suggested that that at several positions of need wide receiver, cornerback, pass rush, probably some other positions, that the Giants could go out and seek answers in free agency. And 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 my response to that, or my my thought on that is no, 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 no. Please let's not go in that direction. We've seen the Giants try to do this before. We've seen other NFL teams try to do this before. It is not the way to build a team. It is not the way to achieve any sort of of lasting success. It's not the way to build anything that 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 really can be more than a one and done type situation. We saw the Giants do this in 2016. Jerry Reese went all out in free agency, signed Jackrabbit Jenkins to a massive contract, signed Olivier Vernon to a massive contract no one else was going to come anywhere near, signed Snacks Harrison away from the New York Jets for a big contract. The defense that, that the Giants put on the field in 2016 was the biggest reason why they made the playoffs that year. But things imploded for the Giants in 2017, Jack Rabbit Jenkins of course in the middle of what really turned into a locker room mutiny. So so the Giants got got one year of success out of that free agency splurge. They they didn't even get a playoff victory out of that. They got a playoff appearance, but really is that worth it or was that worth it? I say no. In 2018, Dave Gettleman, under pressure to fix the Giants' offensive line, went out and made Nate Solder the highest paid offensive tackle in football, which we know didn't work out. Signed Patrick Omame, journeyman, to be a starting guard. Gave him, I think, three years, $15 million. Omame didn't last the season before the Giants cut him. In 2021, Gettleman went out under a lot of pressure to uh, to get the Giants turned around. You know, kind of he and Joe Judge, kind of knowing that that they needed to get things turned around quickly. Gettleman went out and signed Kenny Galladay to a four year, seventy two million dollar contract. Uh, really competing against himself for Galladay's services, massive overpay, and, and we know that that didn't work out. So again and again, you know, we see teams, we see that we've seen the Giants do it, we've seen other teams do it. You remember the Philadelphia Eagles and the dream team that they tried to build a decade or so ago. And uh, we see that that just doesn't work out. What can work is using your free agent resources, identifying areas where you need improvement doing some targeted free agent signings, maybe not always competing at the top end of the market, but finding guys you think fit your culture, fit your scheme, fit your locker room, fit your coaching staff, and bringing those kinds of guys in to fill holes. Maybe short-term contracts on some veteran guys, or you go out and you look for younger players who you think still have upside, who maybe haven't hit the primes of their careers. And you, you bring that type of player in. The Giants really struck gold last year with Bobby Okereke. They didn't go out and spend big money on Tremaine Edmonds, who I think got something like five years and $80 million in free agency at the linebacker spot. They spent $40 million over four years on Bobby O'Caracay. And O'Karake showed in 2023 that he still is a is a player who's getting better, that that he fit what the Giants wanted in terms of playmaking, in terms of leadership, and he justified that contract. But those are the kinds of things that you try to do. You target specific players. You don't always have to pay at the top of the market. You don't always go out and sign the biggest names and just throw money around. In an effort to to make a short term fix, if you're going to build something that's going to have lasting success, you are mostly going to have to do it through the draft. <clears throat> Giants general manager Joe Shane knows that he understands that, and my hope is that he doesn't succumb to the pressure of the idea that you know after a really surprisingly good 2022. You know, falling off in 2023, six and 11, and missing the playoffs. He doesn't succumb to the idea that the Giants need a quick fix, that they need to, you know, show dramatic improvement, that they have to do anything and everything, pretty much put all, push all of their chips into the table and go all in to be absolutely the best that the 2023 team can possibly be. I hope that that he sticks to what he has professed for the last couple of years that he wants to build something the right way that has staying power that that when they get it right will lead to sustained success for the Giants. The way you do that is by drafting players, by developing players, by keeping your own guys. Last year, Shane signed Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, Giants draft picks to long-term contracts. He kept he kept Darius Slayton for a couple more years. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with, with Saquon Barkley, but but after a really good 2022 season, Shane signed. Daniel Jones to that four-year deal, one that obviously was controversial, one that obviously a lot of people didn't believe in, didn't think was a great idea, didn't work out well in 2023. We know that, but I think was still the right priority for Shane, was the right idea. He got Jones on a deal that basically, despite being called a four-year $160 million deal, is really a two-year contract that that the Giants can get out of after 2024 if they choose to. So I still have no issue with the Jones signing. But really back to, to free agency and, and going all in, you know, for 2023. I really just don't see that. I would rather see the Giants continue along a path of building, along a path of drafting and developing. Um and using their draft picks to try to build something that will last, you know, once they once they get it to the point where they want to to get this roster to and obviously it still has holes. You use as I said, you use free agency to supplement your roster. You don't use it to turn it over to to try to suddenly become something that you're not. Uh I think an, an example that I wanted to, to talk about is the wide receiver position. If the Giants are not going to take a quarterback at number six in the NFL draft, we know that Malik Neighbors of, of LSU could be there. We know that Romo Dunze of Washington could be there. To me, it makes sense to to draft that potential wide receiver one of the future rather than spend you know gargantuan amounts of money on a guy like Michael Pittman of uh, of the Indianapolis Colts or perhaps even Tay Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals if he becomes available use your resources in other ways use the draft at positions where the draft is strong and where you think that you're going to be able to find players who fit what you want. We talked a little bit at Big Blue View a while back about Gabe Davis, the wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills. And Gabe Davis is not a wide receiver one. But I would actually find a signing of a guy like Gabe Davis much more palatable for the Giants than a signing like a Michael Pittman. If you look at the contract projections for Pittman coming off a 100-plus catch season, Spot Track projects four years, ninety million dollars, which is more than twenty million dollars annually. Uh, pro Football Focus takes a different tack; has a one-year twenty million sort of prove it deal for Pittman. The, the numbers, the projected numbers for Davis, are four and fifty-four, which is thirteen million. You know, puts him. Maybe around twenty fifth in terms of wide receiver contracts annual annual average value wise, or one year and thirteen million. You know, if you look at PFF's projection, that's a much lower financial commitment for a guy like like Gabe Davis. And, and I love the one year idea for a guy like Davis. Uh, you know, one year twelve million, one year thirteen million. If you can get him on that kind of a prove it deal um, rather than a huge expense for a guy like Pittman, when you can go into the draft and and get a neighbors or an Odunze, if, if that's the path that you choose to take rather than going quarterback, that's just, that's just an example for me of where, where you can use the draft instead of spending big in, in free agency. I'm just not a fan of the, of the quick fix. I honestly think that, uh, that, that that's how you get fired if you're Joe Shane and if you're Brian Dable. You go for a quick fix and it doesn't work. It certainly didn't help Dave Gettleman keep his job when he gave uh, when he gave Kenny Galladay all of that money. And, and the other problem is Spot Track had a a list of, I think the Giants right now have 19 or 20 million dollars in, in cap space available. Spotrac listed ways that the Giants can clear more space, and if they did every last one of them, they could clear another eighty million dollars in cap space. Give them hundred million dollars in cap space to go out and splurge if they chose to. A couple of those are cuts, you know, Mark Lewinsky, Darren Waller, tight end. If the Giants chose to go that way, but a lot of those are are restructures. A lot of those are adding void years to contracts. A lot of those are pushing money down the road. And I think we saw at the end of the Gettleman era and and the beginning of the Joe Shane era that what that does is that that pushes your problems down the road, gives you problems later. Joe Shane has spent a couple of years trying to dig out from under the cap mess that, that Dave Gettleman's free spending, you know, left him with. And, and that's what you don't want. You don't want to just continue to push your problems down the road, make it such that that you can't keep players that you want to keep simply because the finances won't allow you to do that. And uh, that's the kind of thing that, that pushing all of that money into the future uh, causes. I know Joe Shane doesn't like to do that. And, and I hope I really seriously hope that he doesn't succumb to the pressure of feeling like like 2023 has to be, you know, a make or break kind of season for the Giants and continues to as he says and as he asks the fan base, trust the process, trust that they'll continue to build, trust that what they're trying to do is build something that that will have sustained success once they're able to get it to a place where they want to get it. I hope that he keeps that vision in mind and and doesn't necessarily go uh, for a quick fix.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: I just wanted to quickly touch on something that uh, that Mike Tannenbaum, former GM of the Jets, former executive vice president—I think was the title he had in Miami—something that that he proposed on on ESPN's Get Up the other day. Uh, Mike, who's been on our podcast a number of times and, and whose opinions I generally greatly respect. Mike proposed that the Giants trade Daniel Jones to the Cleveland Browns for Deshaun Watson and and, uh, and also that the Giants would get a second-round pick in return. And, and I, I find that idea nothing short of nuts. From a Giants perspective only, I have no idea why you would do that. First and foremost, you would be tied to – Deshaun Watson for the next three years at a cost of forty-six million dollars a year. That's a hundred thirty-eight million dollars over the next three years in base salary. Second of all, the reality of it is that Mike, you know, called Deshaun Watson a difference-making quarterback and said that that is what the Giants need. And I don't disagree that they need one. I do disagree with categorizing Deshaun Watson as a difference-making quarterback at this point in his career. Deshaun Watson has not been good for the Cleveland Browns in his two years there since signing that, that massive, fully-guaranteed contract that the Browns never should have given him. But I would make the argument that while Daniel Jones was awful in 2023 – His 2022 season was better than either of Watson's two years in Cleveland. I would make the argument that you may not look at Daniel Jones as a difference-making quarterback, but I would make the argument that his body of work in aggregate over those two years has actually been better than what Deshaun Watson has put on tape. I don't see based on what Deshaun Watson has done over the last two years. I don't see Deshaun Watson as an upgrade. I just see him as as an expensive experiment that you would be stuck with for the next three years. For me, as I've said many, many times at Big Blue View, if you're the New York Giants and you want to prepare for a post-Daniel Jones era which I have said is something that you need to do if you're the Giants, then you go into the draft and you do that. Whether it's a round one quarterback at number six, whether it's a trade back up into the first round, whether it's a day two quarterback, whatever it may be, you begin to prepare for a post-Daniel Jones era by getting a quarterback on this roster on a rookie deal who you think has the ability to become a guy who can start and win games for you for the next four or five years, and then you build around that quarterback with that rookie contract. You don't go out and make a a, a crazy trade for a guy like Deshaun Watson. And, and I've said the same thing with with Justin Fields. I I get questions to the mailbag every so often about trading for Justin Fields, and that is also not something that I agree with or believe in. Yes, Justin Fields is technically still on his rookie contract, but he would be coming in as a player you immediately had to make a decision on regarding his fifth-year option. So you're immediately making financial decisions about Justin Fields. For me, Justin Fields is a player who has just as many questions about him his ability and what kind of quarterback he can ultimately be, as Daniel Jones does, you know, entering year six of of Jones's career. So for me, you're you're basically trying to replace one question with another question, and that second question being Justin Fields is one where you very very quickly have to decide what kind of financial commitment you're going to make. I still believe that the best path for the Giants to a post-Jones era at quarterback is to try and to draft and develop a player to replace him, you know, probably beginning in 2025. All right, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.